The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Noel Monk is a legendary behind-the-scenes guy in the world of rock and roll. He was a stage manager at Woodstock. He also worked with the likes of Janis Joplin, The Stones, The Who, The Sex Pistols, and of course Van Halen. In fact, his new book is called Running with the Devil, and it's all about the inner workings of Van Halen. After all, Noel was their manager during their prime touring years from 78 to 84. Let's learn more now from Noel Monk. Noel, how are you, sir? I lost a lot of money, thank you very much. (laughs) We love playing Vegas. I have to mention, there's a woman named Debbie Du, and her husband did our merchandising, and she was on the road with with us, and she's in Vegas. We have some great people in our crew. Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations on your book, Noel. I'm about halfway through it. I just got it a couple of days ago, and in, in it's one of those you just can't put down. It's one of the best rock books that I've read. Thank you. Very nice of you. How did the job of managing Van Halen come to you? Because I'm sure that you really didn't know who those guys were when it was offered to you. I had no idea who they were. I had just come off the Sex Pistol tour. Yeah. Um... I started out in 68, pouring Southern Comfort with Janis Joplin. I I did a lot of bands, and after the sex pistols, Warner Brothers has this new band. They said, no, you want to take it? And I said, well, sure. What are they called? That sounds like a nice name. Yeah. Anyhow, so 78, I took them on tour and broke them. And after that... By the end of 78, I was managing them. Well, I tell you, that debut album, there weren't many that were better than that debut album, were there? No way. That debut album, to me, and I'm a promotion man, was wall-to-wall brilliant cuts. What bad cut do you know on that album? It was a brilliant album to be able to break a band with. 99% of the bands out there would die to have a a first album half as good as that. I'm a little prejudiced, but that was allowed me as a promotion tour manager to break Van Halen. Granted, I had the greatest guitar player. I had the most brilliant front man. Uh, Van Halen to me is Edward and David. Anyone else says they're Van Halen? Bullshit. The job of managing Van Halen, it took a special person, did it not, to manage the likes of David Lee Roth and his super ego? Yes, it did. Had to be as screwed up as me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no choir boy, and I've been in the business 25 years. I hung out. I mean, I did the Stones and the Who and the Airplane and... I mean, I knew rock and roll, but I didn't know the inner workings of the business until I became a manager, and a lot of my book is about the inner workings of the music business. Yeah, and I think that I read once that no matter how trashed the guys in Van Halen were, they always gave a great performance, right? That is absolutely true. 
I don't care how fast they were, they never did a bad show. And except for the Us Festival. Festival. But you get paid a million and a half, then you got to screw up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, was, that was the only show that we really just trashed. But aside from that, they never messed up. From day one till the end of 84. And that's the thing that broke my heart. I believe this band would have lasted five or ten years past 84. Never got to where we could have gotten to. I saw them probably three times, and the last time was in 1984. And they were still, it was still a stunning show. I think you're right. I think they could have been one of the biggest ever. They blow it kind of cliche, doesn't it? But eventually drugs and booze got to them. I think I read a segment in the book, in your book, that Eddie actually had an on-call drug dealer, somebody that would fly all over the world to make sure that he was in good supply. But this guy, I didn't like him. I was I was out chasing bootleggers, and I'd see him in his slick suede jacket passing out drugs to kids. And I took, I took one of my bodyguards, you know, mess this guy up and then i said no i can't do that because they would take away a safe person for edward to get drugs yeah edward is definitely the best guitar player but he's definitely not the brightest person that's why we would never let him do an interview because he opened his mouth to change feet Without that drug dealer, Eddie Van Halen would then have to go out into the streets late at night, maybe, and, and get the drugs himself, which wouldn't have been a good idea. Yeah, he really might not have, but I wasn't going to mess it up. If you look what happened to David, David went out to Central Park and got busted for buying a, a bag of weed. Um, you know, these guys weren't too savvy when it came to that. So this was a safe avenue for Edward. When did the infighting begin between Edward and Dave? How long did it take before those guys just couldn't work with each other? Well, it, it, it was over time. Nothing like that happens instantly. The cracks start to happen. 1878, we had a ball. I mean, we had an incredible time. 79 was brilliant. And then go to our... South American tour and never had more fun. But then the records going in the studio helped break them apart because they had musical differences. Like Trini Lopez was for David. We never understood that. <laughs> but, you know, uh, these things happen slowly. What did Eddie's marriage to Valerie Bertinelli do to the band? And it, was there a, like a Yoko effect? Oh, no. No, no, no. She was a sweet little girl. She was 20 years old, and she was naive, and she did as drug, much drugs as Edward. And, um, you know, her mother was a typical stage mom, you know, big fat-ass woman who was really a bitch, but Valerie was a sweetheart. She was a nice lady. And when she came out on the road, she was always fun to have out there. Yeah. She didn't change the band. How did things end for you? I mean, when it got to the point in 1984 where 
things were deteriorating. I think I read it in the book that you didn't have anything more than month to month type contracts. So how did things end with you? Well, pretty simple. I asked for in the beginning, they gave me a month to month and said, in six months, we'll give you a seven year contract. And that's normal. And I asked a dozen times over those seven years, we'll get it to you. We'll get it. It never happened. They had a month and, you know, Al was really the instigator. Edward was too messed up to even think. Al was, well, he had dementia breakups. He would tell me how he saw big penises coming out of the wall. (laughs) And he was a mean, vicious guy. Yeah. And his new wife had a, her sister's brother was the manager of a Canadian band and he wanted him to do it. You tell me. It's unfortunate the way that that ended. Well, Noel, I know that you're busy. This I know you got to run. I know you got to run, and your book, Running with the Devil, it's great. It's available at Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. It's a really great read. Good luck with it in the future, Noel. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. You thank sound you. like a really smart guy. All right. Thank you, Noel. I don't know who Noel disliked the most, Eddie Van Halen's drug dealer or Valerie Bertinelli's mother. What a character. And he lived to talk about it. Well, that is the end of this episode of The Fake Show. Thank you for listening. And if you can, make sure that you share and like our Fake Show Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes.